0: Hey, this is Sean Tepper, the host of Payback Time, an approachable and transparent podcast in building businesses, increasing wealth, and achieving financial freedom. I'd like to bring on guests to hear authentic stories while giving you actionable takeaways you can use today. Let's go. So the title of this episode probably caught your attention. My next guest was a financial advisor and he learned that he can actually speed up his wealth building process if he does two things. One, become an entrepreneur and two, invest in real estate. By doing so, he's actually able to achieve financial independence by age 28. So in this episode, we talk about some of the pros and cons of the wealth management and financial advisory industry. We talk about what he does for work or what kind of revenue streams he has and we talk about some of the mistakes people make with investing. All right, please welcome Chris Miles. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here, John. It's really awesome to be here today. Thanks for joining me. So why don't you kick us off and tell us about your background?
1: Yeah, you know, just like every other financial person out there, nothing to do with finances, right? (laughs) You know, I mean, I would like to say that, you know, I was born that way. Like I remember in the 80s watching, you know, Michael P. Keaton on Family Ties, right? And I thought it was kind of cool. He was an economics major. I didn't even know what that really was, but it was kind of cool. But but no, honestly, I was raised by good parents, taught me great values. You'll work hard. Your word is your bond. Follow your dreams and your passions, that kind of thing. But when it came to money, it was always about how we never had enough, right? Well, we can't afford this. What well, do you think hey, I am? Made of money? Money doesn't, it doesn't grow trees, you know? You know, those kind of things you hear growing up all the time. And so I, I vowed I never wanted to be like that. So I went to college, you know, and I always hear Napoleon Dynamite. your mom goes to college, right? But, uh, you know, I went to college and as I did that, I realized pretty quickly, I didn't want to take the typical path where I was stuck in a nine to five job or nine to nine job, depending on the job. So I ended up going more in the route of how do I become like a business owner? I was going to become a business consultant. And, uh, and as I was doing that, I thought, well, before I try to get an MBA, shouldn't I have real life business experience rather than just a degree? So I, I basically dropped out of college with one class to go, dropped out. I said, all right, let's just see what's out there. And the first business that came up that kind of intrigued me was becoming a financial advisor. I didn't realize, the course, to be a financial advisor, they take anybody off the street, as long as you don't have a criminal record and you could pass a test with 70% and you're hired, you know. And uh, so I did that for several years, never went back to college. I stayed out because, you know, getting a sociology degree, I realized, you know, that's great, but I can make more money as an entrepreneur. So I stayed up, dropped out. And several years in, I remember my dad reached out to me, he says, Chris, when are you going to become my financial advisor? Now, understand my dad a little bit. My dad was the kind of guy that all he taught me about money was, besides there was never enough, right? He taught me just to save it, to save everything you can, you know, be cheap, which is what I was doing great as a financial advisor, because they live great in scarcity and try to be cheap and all that stuff, right? Um, so I was doing the same thing. And, uh, and he was doing that as well. And he had done that his whole life. So for the first time ever, I got to see his finances because he was always very guarded about his money. I see that he'd paid off his house extra early. You know, he's totally debt-free after 18 years. He'd been stuffing his money in his 401k, getting those awesome mutual funds, you know, um, that are high-risk, mediocre returns, as you all know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And by the time we look at everything, I said, Dad, here's the deal. You're 61 years old. If you try to retire today, you better hope you die in five years because that's when you're gonna run out of money. Okay, well, what do I do then? I said, I, I don't know. Honestly, you did, you quote unquote, did everything right. You know, um, you did everything a financial advisor teaches. You, were, you paid off your debt. I mean, you did, did everything Dave Ramsey would teach, right? Paid off debt, stuffed your money in your 401k. You should be free because hundred bucks a month will make you a millionaire in 40 years, as they always say, right? Which is crap. Um, so anyways, I see this and and it drove me nuts that I couldn't didn't have a good answer for him because I couldn't just throw him in some other mutual fund or some annuity or something like that and hope that he'd be able to retire because- the market tanks which by the way this is end of 2005 just a few years later the recession hit he would have been in a way worse situation had i actually tried to put him some of that stuff so i didn't know what to do and of course when the students ready the teacher appears and uh, at that time i remember meeting up with a friend of mine who's who actually i hired to be a financial advisor but he left to go do real estate investing with his dad and as they're doing real estate investing i'm talking to him he said man it's awesome my dad's doubled his income uh, his active income that he's making at his professor at a university here and I said, there's no way, there's, that's too good to be true. There's no way you can just four or five months later be doubling your income. That's just too, that just sounds you know, wild and, and crazy. He says, man, we're doing it. And he finally just stopped me. He said, Chris, how many of your clients are truly financially free where they don't worry about running out of money? I said, well, none, they all worry about that. Okay, great, good job. How about this? How many of you as financial advisors are financially free, not off the commissions you're earning? but actually doing these investments you've been recommending. And as I really was honest with myself, right? And you know where this is going. As I was honest with myself, and I was starting to realize that there was guys working there since the late 1970s, and yet they couldn't retire, I knew there was a problem. And so I said, none. Maybe this one guy is. And I found that guy was just all flash, You know, he was driving the fancy cars and everything, but that's because of what he was earning in sales, not from the investments. And, and that got me on this journey to kind of take the red matrix pill, right. And start going down this path of learning about alternative investments. And at the same time, I was actually, I was already starting to doubt what I was doing as a financial advisor because I actually became a, a, a stock coach. I started teaching people how to trade stocks and options. And when you start talking with a lot of other traders, you start to realize, wait a minute, you know what? The things you teach as a financial advisor are so stupid you know, like, you know, you got to diversify when you don't really diversify at all in mutual funds. You're really just in the same paper asset class, you know, and they, and, and really just water it down to where you make nothing. And uh, in fact, I mean, just interesting note, I mean, just the S&P 500, people talk about even trading the ETF. I mean, the ETF has only done 7.73% in the last 30 years as an average actual yield, right? So how do you do that? You know, and, and so as a result, and I started to see this whole other world that I would never be taught as a financial advisor. That's when I started to take different paths. I started focusing instead on passive income. How do I actually generate passive income, whether it's through real estate investing or whatnot? And the next thing I know, later that next year, I'm 28 years old, I'm able to quote unquote retire, right? I have enough passive income coming in that I didn't even have to work. I didn't even have to coach people trading stocks either. I was I was literally just doing that as extra gravy on top. Um, and, that's, and that's kind of what, got me to realize it's not about how much money you accumulate in mutual funds, because you're you're only supposed to live on now, they're saying the number should only be two to 3% a year of mutual funds, um, which is crap. (laughs) Think about it. You save up a million bucks to live on 20 or 30,000 a year, you're like a millionaire living in poverty, right? Um, And so when I started to break free from all that, uh, that's when my life completely changed. That's when all of a sudden money became easier and predictable freedom became easier and predictable versus what everything I had been teaching as a financial advisor and what everybody's believing to
0: be true right now. This, I have to say this, um, this was one of the best intros I've had in a long time from a guest. Like, tell me a story. Give me the backstory. So anybody listening to this episode right now that wants to be on this show, go back, re-listen, re-listen to Chris. You just went through the story, the progression, peaks and valleys, what you learned, Brilliant. Perfect. Okay. So music to my ears um, with financial advisors. Now, I do like financial advisors because as we teach in our community, and you'll agree with this, if you want to work with a financial advisor, that's great, but their job is not building your wealth. It is protecting it. If you want to build your wealth, you have to be more focused in like we're all about individual stocks, Warren Buffett style. Get that percentage from seven or eight percent is what you talked about. And what we do in our communities, we talk about it, It's not difficult to get between 15 and 50 percent, but you got to be in like between 10 and 15 strong value stocks and you can get there. So that's what speeds things up. So I you're in the mutual fund comment. Love that because you're going to get. You know, maybe six to eight percent returns, but then the fees are two percent. So we're going to take that six percent down to four percent, and mm-hmm. wow, there you go, way to go!
1: Actually, you know, that's I'm glad you brought that up because I just ran the numbers for Fidelity. You know, mm-hmm. not to point anybody out, but I'm going to point them out anyways because they're they're like the most popular four hundred one k company. They have forty five million clients that have four hundred one ks and IRAs. Of that forty five million, only seven hundred fifty thousand have a million plus, and I bet. It kind of makes you wonder, okay, well, yeah, I know. It's pretty shocking, isn't it? That's 1.5% success rate. In my mind, that's a success. Even, actually, even a million bucks is not success because, like I said, let's just say you're living on 3%. That's 30,000 a year. This is why of that those those people, Transamerica did a study to go along with this. Of those people who have a million dollars or more, 35% believe it'll take a miracle to be able to retire. Because they run the numbers. They finally, you know, they, the financial advisor says, well, you pull off 3% a year. And they're like, I live in California. Who can live on 30000 a year? I need minimum $3 million, you know, to be able yes. to do that kind of retirement yeah. of 90000 a year, right? So that rate right there has been an issue. And so Fidelity, I looked at their numbers and I looked at their, their target date funds. And I compared it for the last, you know, from 2013 to 2023, I wanted to see the S&P. The S P did a real actual return of 10.1%. Over that period, because 2010s were freaking awesome for the market. Well, the same period of time, their target date retirement funds that almost everybody picks, especially millennials, their target date retirement funds did 8% flat. So the market did 10.1, they did 8. That's so you, like you just said, that's right there, 2% worse than the market. And remember, we said the 30 year return has been about 7.73% as of the end of September of 2023 well 7.73% if you take away that same 2% you're now left with 5. we'll say 75%. yeah but guess what those same target date funds also have a 0.75% fee on them that doesn't include some of the other miscellaneous fees just that alone brings you down to 5% a year so when people say well i get the match well that match long term when you compound it really only adds if you're lucky 1 to 3% a year which means you're making what you just said 6 to 8% a year with the freaking match that you think is free money, it's brainless. Everybody should be doing it. You know, you're making 100% returns on your match. It's bull. You can do so much better outside of right. crappy mutual funds, especially in your 401ks, than what you than what you can do on your own, especially when you're well
0: educated. Right. I've used this analogy before. Let's say you want to compete in the Indy 500, but you show up with a 1995 Dodge Neon. You're not (laughs) going to get anywhere. It's just too slow. And that's unfortunately what advisors, you know, they they talk to these people in their 20s, their 30s, even their 40s. And they're like, well, let's put you in this index fund or that ETF or this mutual fund. and, And you'll be in ship shape, you know, by age 65. It's like, nope, you are going way too slow. You have to put the pedal to the metal. Get into some individual stocks. Warren Buffett did not build his make his first million going into index funds, ETFs, or mutual funds. It was individual businesses.
1: That's right. Right. You know, if I can even throw a plug for you guys with ticker, you know, because you know, as I, I was checking out your stuff, I mean, the one thing you have an advantage of that I didn't have 20 years ago is like this AI automation type intelligence, right? Because I remember we had like these you know, little alarm bell type, you know, ticker things that we had. And it was always too late. Like, I I would always tell people, I was like, you know what? Don't even pay for that piece of crap. Even though I was, you know, they would pay up to $50,000 to get stock coached by us, right? I'd be like, you know, honestly, those stupid little alarm bell things take too long. Like, just do it on your own. Do basic fundamental analysis and then do mostly technical analysis. And, you know, and if you take some, you know, you find the actual most productive things to look at, yeah you'll be able to find the right picks and you'll you'll be right you know most of the time you know at least you'll right. make money you should be able to make money uh, even though you might lose more times of course if you minimize your losses stop loss all that stuff right you can maximize your gains let your profits run yeah you can mm-hmm. make more money even if you had a 30% success rate um but i mean that's the thing i was trying to do all manually and just to see what you guys have to be able to say hey this is no guarantee but look you get a score here to yeah. see how much you can get man it's so much easier to be able to make money in the market than it's ever been it
0: it really is. You've got the tools um, at your disposal. I'm, I'm biased here, so shameless plug to Ticker. I created it to help myself mainly. But yeah, thanks yeah. thanks for the call out there. And we'll definitely chat more about it after the podcast. What I'd like to do next is because my, my audience is pretty analytical and they like to dive into some of the details. You have an impressive journey here achieving financial independence at 28, probably one of the earliest, if not the earliest person to achieve financial independence that has been on the show. And gosh, the inception of the show is July 2020. So uh, way to go there. I'm going back and I want to kind of put this on a timeline. Usually when you're in college, it's between ages like, let's say, 17 or 18 up to age 21, 22, maybe 23. So you dropped out just before graduating, which means you were probably about 21 or 22, is that correct?
1: Yeah, I was uh yeah, I was probably I was probably actually about 23 or 24 by that point. Oh, really? I was, okay. I was really close. Yeah, I took 2 years off to go to Japan, oh. live there for a little bit, but then I came back and got gotcha. to finish up and yeah, I was about 23 or so.
0: Yeah. So there was a major mindset shift at let's say 23 or 24 and then all in on it sounds like investing. You were in the stock market as well as real estate, and then in four years. So we go. Let's say let's just do nice round math here. T- age twenty four to twenty eight. In four years, you achieve financial independence. That's impressive. It was. Could you give us a percentage between allocation? What percentage were in stocks? What percentage in real estate?
1: Yeah. Um. By that point, zero percent in stocks. Um, okay. So I transitioned away from that. So like those four years actually was when I was a financial advisor, right? From uh, beginning of 2002 until 2000, beginning of 2006 is when I was a financial advisor. And then I quit by March of that year because I couldn't just, I couldn't reconcile it. I was trying to make it work and see if I could live in both worlds. And eventually I had to pick one because I realized my integrity was at, at risk here because I couldn't teach something I don't believe in, you know, so I actually eventually, I mean, although I was still, I was still trading the market, but I wasn't really creating any passive income from the market. It was more growth, uh, if anything, and cause I really sucked to cover calls. So I didn't really do well with that. I did better with married puts and things like that. So, sure. um, but the place where I actually made my, my passive income was really more in real estate and business of uh, the business part was actually accidental. It wasn't even intentional, but I was, I was starting in the real estate game. I started to make money there, some from rentals, some from just like lending money, Um, which if you don't ever want to be a, a landlord, that's another great way to go, especially right now, is you can lend money for like 10, 12, 15% a year, get paid, you know, interest only payments, and then get your money back after X number of months or years, on how you set it up, right? So I was doing that kind of stuff back then. Uh, but then the other thing that kind of helped bridge the gap, because I was making probably good thousand two thousand bucks a month doing that um, just with my money working for me but I didn't have a ton of money at that time because I was a financial advisor we we suck at it so um, so instead what I did have though is uh I had it I I basically quit being a financial advisor and I was still a mortgage broker so I was basically after I quit being a financial advisor I just came on as a mortgage broker part-time and then I was doing stock coaching part-time as well yeah and while I was doing that I remember a friend of mine who who had done a lot of real estate investing said well, do you like doing mortgages? I said, Well, I like teaching people about how to like leverage your equity from your home and get you to pay, create cash flow from that. So then you can essentially retire faster. I think that's pretty cool. I was actually in the process of doing that myself to get more money to invest as well. And he said, Yeah, but but do you like it? I said, Well, I hate the paperwork. Well, why don't you find somebody who likes doing paperwork? Which in a scarcity world, because as a financial advisor, you're always raising scarcity about there's never enough. You got to take all the business yourself, you know, don't split with anybody. So when he said, once you find somebody who likes doing paperwork and let them do all the work for you, that was a, a new epiphany to me. And so I, I remember asking the, the owner of the company, or the brokerage, I said, "Who's who fits the description? He says, oh, that's Clark. Because you can just tell by the name Clark, that's going to be somebody who actually likes to do paperwork, right? So I go to Clark, I say, hey, Clark, if I just send people to you, they're already ready to do a mortgage, you just have to do the paperwork and basically do all the work, would you do it? He said, yes, and I'll split you 50-50. And that's what I did. I would spend like half an hour to an hour just educate them about hey, you can actually use the equity from your home to essentially pay off your mortgage payment for you and maybe make more than your mortgage payment, right? And so people were getting super excited about that. And uh, and, and actually, by the way, I was doing no marketing. I was only talking to family and friends. That's it. Um, a few of those friends would refer friends to me and stuff, but it was very low key. People asked me what I did. I told them I sold drugs because I just had no clue how to say, I'm a mortgage broker, I'm a stock coach, and I'm doing real estate investing. Like, what do you call that guy? Like, yeah, he's a drug dealer. So that's what I pretty much did. But um, I'll tell you, I mean, it was pretty awesome. I was making like 1,000, 2,000 bucks a month just referring one or two people to the okay. clerk, you know? Very casually. And then I thought, well, I can do that with other businesses. And so like there's a wholesale jeweler in Salt Lake City. I'd send them business because people would save, like, you know, they would pay a third of the cost for a wedding ring, right? So I'd send them there, you know? Um, I remember there's like other businesses I started connecting with just very casually when people would keep asking me the same thing. Like, who do you know that this blank? I would connect them. So with those between that those streams of income plus the real estate, I was making about four or five thousand a month, and my expenses at that time were only thirty five hundred a month. So that's nice. That's really how I did it faster. On the real estate side, it probably would have taken me an extra couple of years to get yep. to that same point to do the same thing. But the thing that was amazing is you know the business side as well really helped amplify that where I was literally working like less than a four hour work week. You know before Tim Ferriss wrote the book, right? Yeah. It was pretty, pretty shocking considering I worked enslaved so hard, sometimes 40, 50 plus hours a week as a financial advisor to maybe make that same income. Yeah. So it was, that's, that's really the secret of how I did it. It was a combination of things together. And then, yeah. yeah, at the same time, I was still doing a little bit of trading
0: and stuff on the side. So that was just gravy. Sure. So essentially, you know, part of the business I look at was uh, affiliates, which is a common business today. A lot of people are tapping into platforms like Ticker, for example. You can join the affiliate program, promote the business, and then you get a cut of every sale. And that's essentially what you were doing is getting those commissions. You're getting a cut for bringing people uh, to businesses. Good on you. It's simple business model. I know affiliate marketing wasn't... uh, The phrase wasn't so popular back then in the 2000s. Yeah, Uh, it was not a phrase I even knew of. And then back right in the 2000s. now, now yeah. it's like super common. Everybody on like Amazon affiliates and YouTubers uh, you see in their show notes are always promoting something, you know, they're not always, but in many cases are getting some kind of affiliate commission. But anyway, pretty straightforward business model, drug dealer sums it up. I like that approach. <laughs> <laughs> the back then it was confusing. Like, what is this? What do you do? I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Let's dovetail into uh, what is your business called? And what does it do? This yeah, is money ripples. And essentially, the whole
1: goal of it is how to get you to the point where your work optional, you work because you want to not because you have to. Um, and we do that with two main strategies that we do best better than anybody else. Um, anything else we always just refer out, right. But um, one thing we do really well is, is a strategy called infinite banking, which can actually be used even when you're doing stuff in the stock trading world too. Um, using like, Life insurance by using it to invest and get your money to pay you in two places at once. Yeah. And then also looking for other ways to create passive investments. And so when I say passive, I really literally mean passive, right? I don't mean like, you know, um, yeah, you know, maybe you have some of these people on your show where they say, hey, you can do passive investing with real estate, but then setting up a brand new business doing flipping or wholesaling or something like that. And and that's not, that's an active business model, right? That that's something that you're gonna have to work. And work and work to make money. Yes, you can make great money, but it's not passive. Um, I look at it as passive. I mean, I even have a guy who actually was a uh, options coach. He actually tra- he actually was online showing people how to trade options. He came to me. He says, "Okay, Chris, like I like doing options and all, but can I just do something I don't have to do anything for? <laughs> can I just get my money to do something else where I won't have to manage it?" And I said, "Yeah, you can do some other stuff. So we can kind of diversify your what you're doing in in your." your uh, stock investing world, right? And so nice. options investing in his case. And so we did, you know, and, and uh got him to do things like you could have real estate properties and whatnot, but there's so many ways to invest in real estate outside of that create passive income. Like I mentioned, lending is one way, but you could also invest in equity deals where you partner with other people, pull your money together to go into like buy an apartment building or to go and buy self-storage units, which is not recession resistant. Well, it's more recession resistant. It's not recession proof, right? But resistant more so. Yeah. You, know, you got things like that. There's oil and gas you can get into as well. And I don't mean like in the chevron, right? I mean like literally going into like oil and gas where you get paid on the land, the rent of the land, mm-hmm. and you get paid royalties from the drilling. You know, so there's there's ways you can have real equity and real ownership and things. Now, not to mention you could, of course, you know, have debt funds where again you can loan your money out, investors just pay you a flat, you know, contractual rate of return, and you get paid on that too. So that's kind of what we do for people is like we get those two strategies to work together of infinite banking, get your money to pay you twice while you're, of course, passive investing as well. So you're getting both of them yeah. working together so it gets you out of the rat race faster. And then you choose what you want to do. You can keep working the job because you want to. Like I kept stock coaching because I didn't know what to do with my time as a 28-year-old. Sure. So I kept doing it, right? Um, same thing with you. You could keep working part-time. But the cool thing is you don't have to keep working. You're work optional. You can take that... Year off if you wanted to, and or you not. You know, you can just sure. it really get to have more time freedom, which
0: is the whole goal. Um, I wanted This is not a pause point, but I kind of sometimes like to break the fourth wall and talk to the audience to kind of bring them in the conversation. So just to take a step back, all the revenue streams that Chris has talked about have actually been talked about in the show before. Just to summarize, the infinite banking philosophy, and of course, Chris, you can step in and correct me if I'm wrong here. But infinite banking is a a life insurance product. Let's say you were to Put $50,000 into a life insurance product. That product could be earning six to 8% a year. And then you can actually let that continue to earn six to 8% a year. And you can pull that $50,000 back out and then you can put that somewhere else. So, in other words, it's building. Um, at 6 to 8%, slow and steady wins the race. Like we talked about earlier, it's not going to accelerate your wealth, but it is moving in the right direction. And you could technically put that $50,000 into another investment such as a stock market or real estate. So like you said, building wealth in two places at once, it's a a pretty cool strategy. Um, Is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. I mean,
1: uh, one thing I'll give you is a warning with infinite banking in general, Mm -hmm. like it's pretty cool. Even though you have guys like Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey say it sucks, but so do they. (laughs) And and, and in some ways they're right, because a lot of people that talk about infinite banking, because they're insurance agents and not investors, that is the biggest danger you have. Because they'll often just say, well, I only make money because of this. This is my career. Mm -hmm. They'll do different things that won't give you the best deal possible. Uh, In fact, when I came out of retirement the second time, because I got my butt kicked during the last recession, so I was back in the rat race, had to get back out by 2016 again. Um, When I did it, I got pulled out of retirement again because I taught an investor, a podcast host, how to do this infinite banking strategy. And uh, when I came back out of retirement, I started to realize I could do it better than the guy I referred him to, because you can actually reduce those costs as low as you can go and still keep it tax free. So it's kind of like a Roth, but without all the rules where Roth says, we can't do this. You can't do that, right? You can't. You know, we, we won't let you, you know, do these kind of trades, but we'll let you do these trades. And you're like, oh, you suck. You know, like you don't have all those dumb rules like that. Um, but it is cool because you can't almost like margin trading, right? You know, where you can trade on margin, you can get that loan against the money. You mm-hmm. do still pay interest. It doesn't pay to yourself. It pays the insurance sure. company. But the thing is, if you're earning more from them, they're paying you on that money in there. And at the same time, you've got that money out investing in whatever investments you're doing. The cool thing is you are making money in two places at the same time because you never pulled your money out. You're just borrowing your money at a, le- a yeah. lower interest rate than what you're getting paid on. And that's where you make that money in two places at once. So it's even sure. better than using a savings account. You, if you do it right, it become, it become a tax-free, supercharged savings account.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's take a quick commercial break. <laughs> Are you a beginner investor and want to increase your confidence with investing? Ticker EDU is now live, which includes investing courses. The first course is titled Stock Investing for Beginners, which includes over 60 videos that take you through modules, including overcoming myths, the difference between stocks, ETFs, index funds, and mutual funds, investing versus trading, the number one reason why stocks go up and down, knowing when to buy, knowing when to sell, increasing confidence, how to invest your first $1,000 and real life examples. It's like looking over my shoulder to see how I buy and sell stocks. Simply go to edu.ticker.com or go to ticker.com and click the courses link at the top of the page. Okay, back to the show. Yeah, and definitely going back to the audience here, definitely reach out to Chris if you want to learn more. Again, I've had other people on the show talking about that. And then with real estate, you know, right away people think of like, oh, I've got to buy a home and then manage the home and fix toilets and change lights or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, most of the real estate investors we've had on the podcast have graduated from that level of investing to um, multifamily and making sure you have a property management company maintaining yes. the property. You pay them, usually the going rate is between 8 and 15% of the monthly rent per month. That way you get the peace of mind. And if a renter leaves, they will help fill the spot as fast as possible because you want that continuous cash flow. So um, that's a strategy. And then uh, syndications have been talked about on this podcast, which you're probably familiar with, where you've got a large, like a hundred unit or a thousand unit uh, series of complexes and you invest in the fund and then you get paid usually around 10% per year of what you put in. But that's a great I think of like, if you achieve financial independence or um, you're retiring, there you go. There's a tax sheltering strategy. And if you put in like, let's say a few hundred thousand dollars, you're getting guaranteed kickback, you know, every year.
1: Now I'll tell you my favorite one right now. Again, it always changes, right? That's why, you know, <laughs> I kind of diversify in yeah. this space a little bit. But the one that's been doing the best for me right now is actually a business partnership where I essentially partner with guys to go and buy and sell raw land. Because raw land is one that's not often mentioned because most people think you can't really cash flow raw land, but if you can buy it at a wholesale price, sell it to somebody like like you're the bank on terms mm-hmm. at retail price, then you can actually get paid monthly on that. And so I partner with these guys; they pay me seventy percent, I get thirty percent. Um, it does take about you know 250, 300 grand to get started and yep. get that money invested and working. But I mean, right now, I mean that that money's kicking off about seventy six, almost seventy seven hundred bucks a month for me so that's great uh, there's so that, many that's a cool thing it's like when you start to realize what's a, a, out there and available and i know you teach about this all the time too mm. you start to look at stuff like you know the traditional financial advising which they tell you they're trying to grow your money and they'll try to throw you in all these indexes and stuff which means they don't do squat but they get paid whether you make money or Correct. not that kind of crap like you start to realize it's just a joke like there's just no reason to even uh, you know no offense to any guests you've had but I, I really don't see a whole <laughs> lot of reason to keep a financial advisor unless you just cannot let go. Like, oh, but still Dave Ramsey says so. I was like, yeah, but Dave Ramsey, okay. you know, made all of his money in his business and real estate, not in his mutual funds. He did that later, you know, so correct. Oh, you, know, you yeah. can go do mutual fund stuff. But Dave is an investor, right? Just like you're being taught in this show, you're taught to be an investor. That's what he is. First and foremost, do what the successful have done not what they te- preach to you down the road because they think you're too dumb and to handle it. That's yeah. just not true. I think people
0: are way smarter than most experts out there give people credit for. Absolutely. Um, the land uh, investment, was that Mark Podolsky? It actually was, yeah. Yeah, he's one of my partners there. <laughs> nice. I've had Mark on the show. I don't want as well.
1: people to know because there's like a two-year
0: wait list on this, but yes, he's it's awesome. He's, that's funny. He's been on the show as well. So we're kind of hitting all the revenue streams you're you're involved in are all legitimate. And my guests have talked about those in the past. So that's great. Now, when people come to you, you're you're structured as a financial coaching business, correct? Um so correct. people do they pay you like um I like to dive into you can Give me ranges here, because I like to find out, like I usually ask people if you have a service business or a product, what are you charge in? Are you charging like a project fee, maybe a monthly fee? What is the high, uh, for, go from the low end to the high end. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the infinite banking side, which is separate, we don't charge anything for that because we get paid
1: from the insurance companies, right? Correct. Um, even though we cut down the commissions as low as possible. On the consulting side, like the coaching side you're talking about there, that one, we, we charge anywhere from like $7,500 to fifteen dollars depending on the situation, Generally speaking, we want people to have at least 150 thousand that they could be investing. Now, the reason is this: is because usually on the low end, people can make at least 10 percent a year on the investments that we have, you know, available. You know, again, we're not investment advisors; we don't break that that legal line there. But we are strategists and help you figure out where to find the money and how you can use it best, and what kind of investments are available because we have this, you know, 20 plus different investment operators, like Mark, for example, mm-hmm. is one of them that you can go to you know and and uh we kind of help guide you along to say all right if you want growth here's investments that might fit best there if you want cash flow here's investments that fit best there but you know we help you with that part but you ultimately pick which investments you want to do and uh and the and the reason we only charge 7500 15 grand is cuz we want people to make at least double in the first year you know so you know for example they got $250,000 we think we can easily make 25 grand you know it won't be from month 1 cuz Usually people take like the first three months researching and trying to learn about it. Of course. Once they're ready, they start getting money in, that's when the money starts trickling in, whether it's the next month, the next quarter, six months down the line, just depends on which investments you pick. But then they start kicking off cash
0: flow on a pretty regular basis. Yeah. yeah. Now to the audience here, if you're, you know, you're using ticker to invest, that's great. You'll accelerate your doing it yourself. Um, when you get to tax. Sheltering strategies, that's where real estate is a good play. And again, I'm I'm not a big fan of like owning one or two properties and then you're fixing things and then you're you're handcuffed to the machine like you would in a corporate America and you have to service it. You want that passive income. So that's why I more I gravitate towards more multifamily or larger syndicate, but it sounds like you have other options. I think the land play as well. Mark Podolski's episode was outstanding. I actually quick snippet on him is I've been following him for years on his, he's got a daily newsletter and I'm just learning about land investing every day. It's pretty cool stuff. So one thing they don't make more of, more land. That's right.
1: Exactly. No, it's pretty cool. And uh, I mean, I always told him, I said, man, if you ever create something where I don't have to do, like learn to do what you do, that Mm -hmm. would be amazing. Like, can I just invest with you? And he's forever. He was like, no, can't do that. Then I found out from one of my clients who talked to him, said, oh yeah, I got a partnership with Mark right now. I'm like, what? He should have told me first, you know. So, <laughs> you know, I was like number eleven on the list or something like that. But still, you know, I mean, it's it's cool. It's one option. It's not the only one. It's pretty good. And, and I would tell people too, like that's more of a growth option, which can be good. Um, definitely not one to do IRAs. And that and that's a plug for you guys too. Is that especially with with I'm when I was looking at people doing stock trading and things like that. Having been in both worlds, you know, if someone's got like a self directed IRA or an old 401k that they're looking to use. I mean, you don't get any tax advantages with that. So when people try to put that into real estate, again, I'm not giving investment advice, right? But if you try to put that in real estate, you lose the tax advantages if you try to use that money, unless you cash it out and take the the hit, you know, possibly the penalty and or taxes. But if you're doing trading, you don't often really get any tax tra- tax benefits, anyways. Awesome. If you got IRAs or Roth IRAs, things like that, man, you can create some massive growth, you know, and you can oh. do some pretty cool things in that space. And and get that money to really grow and build for you. So you can start eventually really creating some good passive income down the road.
0: Right, right, love it. All right, before we transition to the rapid fire round, uh, what is one key takeaway you can give our audience if they wanna put themselves on the, the path to financial independence?
1: Yeah, here's the advice I generally give. Get lean, get liquid, get out. The first thing I'm saying, because I've noticed this becoming a trend, like people got kind of complacent, especially after 2020. It's like everything got simple and now it's complex in people's lives again. I think people are craving that simplicity. Really getting your, I'm not saying live cheap, don't live on rice and beans and all that junk that you hear people say. Don't cut out the latte every day and things like that. Uh, I mean, do what brings you joy, right? But but definitely be wise with your money. Like, because the more you have to use and invest, the more freedom you can create. So again, don't delay your life for some day and never take that vacation. I'm not saying that. Have a proper balance, but still be wise through your money. So that's get lean. Get liquid means get your money out of prison. So I think one of the worst things that people do is they lock their money in their company's 401k prison, right? You cannot get to it unless you get fired or laid off or you quit your job. I don't recommend those as strategies to help get your money, right? So the, the like we mentioned earlier, the match is not worth it. So get your money liquid, get it in your possession, your control. So then you can choose how to invest it outside of that traditional norm. Same thing with equity in your home and your mortgage, right? So many people are like, Oh, pay off that house. Well, then you pay off your house. What do I get? I get people that are like Dave Ramsey, poster children that say, Hey, I've stuffed my 401ks and IRAs. I paid off my house, but now I have no income. So I'm asset rich cash flow poor. Yeah. You need to get that money liquid. So then you could do that last part, which is get out, get that money out and investing in places that do generate income for you that gets you to a place where you are
0: work optional faster. Yeah. Love it. Great advice. All right. Let's transition to the rapid fire round. This is the part of the episode where we get to find out who Chris really is. If you can try to answer each question in about 15 seconds or less. You ready? Got it. All right. What is your favorite podcast? Oh, man.
1: I don't want to say mine, you know, because mine's cool. But no, I'd say my favorite podcast probably is Ed Milet Show.
0: Okay, sure.
1: All right. What is a recent book you read and would recommend? Most recent that I read again is called The Pumpkin Plan um, by Mike McAllowitz. Great guy. Same guy that did Profit First. Yeah. Uh, Pumpkin Plan is amazing,
0: especially if you're really trying to simplify and hone down. I love profit first actually recently had a guest on Tara is her name and she is a profit first affiliate and big on yeah. the essentially audience. If you haven't listened to that episode, it's all about, you know, paying yourself first. So many business owners, especially small business owners are paying everybody else first mm-hmm. and which can kill, you can crush yourself doing that. You want to pay yourself first. So yeah, Mike's stuff is great. Yeah. All right.
1: And if you love audio, audiobooks, audiobooks like he's
0: so entertaining. It's awesome to listen to his books. Nice. Yeah, he's he's a real character. Um, all right. So we talked about before we got to the record button. Um, you're into movies and you prefer movies going back to the 80s, 90s and 2000s. So I got to ask you this. What's your favorite movie? Oh, no. Depends <laughs> on my mood. Um,
1: I would probably say if there's one that I don't know why this one's popping in my head. This is 2010. Technically, if I'm looking for a good comedy, maybe romance or like a rom-com or something like that pretty much anything with Ryan Reynolds is good but the mm-hmm. one that popped in my head i don't know why was the proposal um, with him and Sandra Bullock really? like if i just want a good laugh like and maybe it's just cuz i'm a Ryan Reynolds fan like mm-hmm. almost anything by Ryan Reynolds i love so that could be why uh but if i were to go more retro back i mean the one movie i probably watch my have myself watch over and over is uh i mean i'm a huge star wars buff but mm-hmm. uh, even that i would probably say the thing that keeps popping in my head is goonies I love Goonies. Like wow, that was filmed sick. right where I grew up in Oregon, you know, so it's kind of
0: nostalgic for me to, to watch that movie. Uh, one of my favorites as a kid, I actually was able to visit the Goonie house in Astoria not go in it, yep. of course, but you can uh, walk by. My wife and I took a trip from Seattle down to San Francisco, and I'm like, she knew it right away. We're stopping at the famous, um, what is it, Sugarloaf Rock? Is that it? Oh, the haystack rock. Haystack that's, rock, that's it. Yeah, where you and then, they line up the thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, I had to walk up to the house. Great experience. We'll stop there because we could talk all day about the, go- <laughs> the Goonies. All right. A few more questions here. What is the worst advice you ever received?
1: <laughs> um, uh, This is this is advice that just came to memory the other day. It was actually when I was a financial advisor. Um, it was, of course, a guy that was Chinese that was just like workhorse. And he just said, listen, you can't work too hard because eventually you'll pass out and get put put in the hospital. So just work your, work your tail off, right? It's almost like Gary Vaynerchuk's type stuff. You yes. know, advice is like, you know, hustle and, and grind. I think it's some of the worst advice I've ever received, you know, because it's okay to have some of that for a season, you know, especially when you're starting things off, but that is not a lifestyle. That is a
0: sure way
1: to just have a crappy
0: life. Yes, thank you. agree. All right, flip that equation. What is the best advice you ever received?
1: The best I ever received is actually when I was starting to learn and get in this world of alternative investing. And they broke the formula for making money for me. I realized asking the question, how do I make more money is a dumb question. Instead, ask, how do I create more value for more people? How do I create value for people? How do I create that win-win? How do I show up to serve people, solve problems, or add value in such a way that money is a natural exchange for that value? When I realized that money was about value and not just getting money, then all of a sudden money making money became easy because I was always about how do I help people get what they want? And then as a result,
0: money is just an easy byproduct of yeah. that. Yeah. Love it. All right. One more question here is the time machine question. If you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit and what would you say?
1: Oh, I would probably go back to the age, you know, I'm probably about age 15. Because Uh, not not many people know this, but I was a very shy, reserved kid, like the kind of kid that sweats when he has to talk to more than one person at a time. So I was really shy. And if my 15 year old self would see my 46 year old self right now, he'd be like, who is that guy? Seriously. But I know at 15 years old, I was reading the autobiography of Malcolm X. I was, I was starting to think like, maybe I could, maybe I have a voice in me that could come out. So I would just say to him, just be comfortable being you, right? Just be you and do the best you can at just making more, just be more of you, right? Like be the better version of you as you can that if I would have even done that, even in my twenties, right. And stop worrying about trying to be like somebody else and being inauthentic and just being a hoser basically. Right. You know, I would, I would totally be, a, I, I would, I would have had a much higher level of success by this point. Had I done that
0: right on love it. All right. And where can
1: the audience reach you? Yeah, you can go to our website, moneyripples.com. That's R-I-P-P-L-E-S, not moneynipples.com or not that kind of website. So moneyripples.com. Um, or you can follow our podcast, Money Ripples Podcast.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Chris. Appreciate it. It's been such a pleasure, Sean. Thanks. All right. We'll see ya. Hey, I'd like to say thank you for checking out this podcast. I know there's a lot of other podcasts out there you could be listening to, so thanks for spending some time with me. And if you have a moment, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. The more reviews we get, especially five-star reviews, the higher this podcast will rank in Apple. So thanks for doing that. And remember, this show is for entertainment purposes only. If you heard any stocks mentioned on this podcast, please do not buy or sell those stocks based solely on what you hear. All right. Thanks for your time. We'll see ya.